In this week's Nesson Soccer Podcast, we discuss the favorites to win this year's Champions League and take a look at what to expect from U.S. youngsters in CONCACAF Olympic qualifying. Five, two, three, four. Welcome to another edition of the Nesson Soccer Podcast. I am Mark, along with Marcus. Marcus, good afternoon. How are you? Great, Mark. Good afternoon to you. All right. Uh, another exciting list of soccer topics today for our show. We're going to talk about the Champions League round of 16 wrapping up with uh, eight teams having qualified for the quarterfinals. And then we've got the U.S. U23 U.S. Men's National Team. Um, as they begin their CONCACAF Olympic qualifying, a lot of acronyms going on, but uh, a very exciting time to uh, get it back into U.S. soccer with the senior men's national team also playing some friendlies in the upcoming window, uh, I guess, 10 days from now or so. But let's jump into Champions League. We're going to kind of just fire through the round of 16 second legs that wrapped up this week. Um, not exactly anything overly thrilling, uh, as all the contests on aggregate score, at least were decided, were decided by two or more goals or even more than that, three or more goals. Um, but you know, just kind of some long-term, uh, dominant performances and let's get into Man City versus Borussia Mönchengladbach. Man City took care of Gladbach two nothing. Uh, in the second leg, 4 nothing on aggregate. Uh, they're running away with the Premier League. They look pretty unstoppable and certainly one of the best teams in the world right now. Um, so, yeah, Marcus, I mean, 4 nothing on aggregate, easy stuff. Yeah, um, it was, you know, by all accounts, a dominant performance for Manchester City. I think that's a word that's going to keep popping up uh popping up today and you know it got me thinking about is man city they, they're running away with the premier league title uh and now there's talk about what else they could add to it um this is the the seasons didn't start out well for pep guardiola uh i didn't think he was going to make it out of the season as manager i was wrong uh but now they have their eyes on the premier league the FA Cup, the League Cup, which uh, they're in the final, going to play Tottenham, and uh, now the Champions League. Now Pep Guardiola is not allowing his team to talk about uh, a quadruple, but I guess we can. Uh, <laughs> and really, the question is, what's to stop them from winning it, other than uh, Tottenham and the League Cup final, whoever they play going forward in the FA Cup. And then, of course, uh, the Champions League itself. It's really luck of the draw um, in some respects. And then uh, got to play well on the day of the final. So is this Man City's uh, best team? It's it's tough to tell. Um, best team in, turn, in terms of, uh, let's say, the last 10 years, um, in terms of what they can achieve. They're still chasing that holy grail that is the Champions League. And I don't think anything that they win other than the Champions League will fully satisfy everyone at, at the club. But uh, 
Man City is doing it on defense. 706 minutes in the Champions League without conceding a goal. Uh, do you want to do the math for me? It's... <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's, it's a long amount of time to not allow a goal. That's for sure. When you start getting into, you know, 500 plus minutes, uh, yeah. it's, 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 it's significant. Um, let me bail you out, Mark. That's sure. That's a shade <laughs> under eight games. Uh, that's seven consecutive shutouts in a row. Uh, longest streak in Champions League history. That is incredible. Um, Ruben Diaz and John Stones playing in the middle, playing uh, just superbly. And yeah, they're chasing Arsenal, who between September of 2005 and May of 2006 went 995 minutes without conceding in the Champions League. Uh, wow. They made, yeah, they made the final in 2006. So. Not bad. I'm not gonna not gonna punch Man City into the final just yet, but uh, they're looking good. They are looking good. Uh, Mujin Gladbach is also on a bit of a downward trend, so yeah, maybe a bit of just a easy draw when you in hindsight. But bit the, of a downward trend, they've lost seven in a row. <laughs> That's uh, the podcast is not. <laughs> it's it's not the place for understatement, Mark. It was. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, the Premier League is a bit of a foregone conclusion for Man City. And then, of course, you never know what's going to happen in a knockout tournament. So uh, the FA Cup and the League Cup, you know, as you said, you got to play well on the day of the final. Yeah, but, but the, you know, I mean, I'm just thinking about Munch and Glad back there. Uh, yeah. They're currently 10th in the Bundesliga, 33 points after 25 games. Uh, their coach, highly regarded coach Marco Rose, is leaving uh, at the end of the season, he's going to jump to Dortmund. So uh, chances are this could be the last time we talk about Borussia Mönchengladbach on this podcast. They, they <laughs> look like they are fading into uh, obscurity. And uh, well, yeah, we'll see they, if they can bounce back. But you might be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you can you can follow that storyline for me. <laughs> OK, well, yeah, I mean, we're talking about these world beaters, Man City. Um, there are current world beaters, Bayern Munich, who are continuing on their sort of juggernaut run. Uh, we've talked about them a good amount in uh, the past few months. And um, if anybody can go toe to toe with Man City, it's certainly Bayern Munich. They took care of Lazio 62 on aggregate, uh, only a 2 1 victory in the second leg, but um, you know. They're leading the Bundesliga. They are, again, one of the best teams in the world. Certainly, it seems like just one and two is Man City, Bayern Munich. Um, so, yeah, Marcus, I mean, of these two, who is the team to beat? I, I, I'll tell you what I will say. I am hoping that they get matched up before the final so that we can see them over two legs and uh, we don't just have a one-off game to decide, you know, who of these two is the best team. Um, so I hope that we can get them in a, in a two-legged matchup. Well, you'll never work for UEFA with that attitude. <laughs> uh, that's the final that everybody wants to see. Um, and I mean, I'm sure PSG would have something to say about that as well, but 
uh, yeah, it looks like the era of the, uh, I mean, we've always sort of lived in an era of super teams, but this is, uh, you know, this is really the Champions League quarterfinals. That is the province of, you don't reach that stage without being a very good team, uh, excellent mm-hmm. team. So, um, you know, seeing teams fall away, uh, such as Lazio's and your Munchen Gladbachs, it's it's okay because the last team standings are really the uh, the big boys. You asked a question about whether Bayern or Man City is the I forget the word you used. Team to uh, beat is the team to beat. I think without question, it is Bayern. Uh, they have they have their hands on the trophy right now. Right. Uh, yep. They are the defending champion until somebody knocks them off. They will have that. Uh, they'll have that claim. Also, Man City. You know they've been. They do this every year. Uh, you know they're <laughs> looking great in February and March. Uh, I can plot out how the rest of the storyline goes. They might reach the quarterfinals or semifinals. Let's say semifinals, and then Pep Guardiola will outsmart himself. Uh, he'll have a tactical or a personnel tweak that is going to confuse his players and they'll go out disappointingly and somewhat controversially. So uh, as well as Man City is playing domestically and against the likes of Mönchengladbach, I forget who they played in the round of, in the, oh no, this was the round of 16. Uh, Against the likes of Mönchengladbach, it's, you know, the true test is when they come up against your Bayerns, your PSGs, your uh, whoever's left, Chelsea even. So, yeah, I'm yeah, I don't think it's uh time for de- the Bayern Man City debate because I don't it's no it's no debate. Uh, Man City's got they they haven't won the Premier League in two seasons. They there are steps they have to take before they even enter the conversation. Yeah, I mean, I'm realizing I, Manchester City has never won a Champions League or European Cup? Have they? Did they win a European Cup at any point in there? I don't Maybe not. believe so. Um, yeah, and meanwhile, uh, Bayern Munich going for back-to-back Champions League titles, something that they haven't done since the 70s, but of course was done by Real Madrid uh, as recently as a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you, Marcus. Uh, Bayern has the trophies. They have it on their hands right now. They have the historical significance of being, you know, a team on top for a century, I guess, at this point. Um, but, uh, you know, there are other contenders. There are other teams playing in this competition. One of them is Real Madrid, as they took care of Atalanta. Atalanta um, is in fourth in Serie A right now, but they've kind of been in between fourth and sixth place uh, for a couple months now as uh, the battle for the top four continues into Syria. But Real Madrid, a, a bit of an aging roster, but still getting the job done. You, you know, I was just thinking as we were talking before the show, Marcus, that there's been so much attention on Barcelona this year and the various things going on with them. But if you look at the La Liga standings, Barcelona's in second, and catching, uh, catching up to Atletico Madrid for top spot in La Liga. Meanwhile, Real Madrid's in third, 
And they're dealing with, you know, a bit of a, I don't want to, it's certainly not a crisis, but, you know, I think there will be some movement coming to Real Madrid soon too. So, uh, you know, a, a little last run here for, for some legends of the club. Is that what's going on? Is that what we're seeing? Uh, maybe. It's, <laughs> you know, Real Madrid is certainly reaching a point where, their youngsters are too young, their old players are too old, and then there's this gap in their squad where, you know, the guys that are in their prime years aren't exactly world beaters. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you that's, that's not the way to win in sports. You need your best players, for the most part, in their primes, unless you're, unless you have legends. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's guys like Sergio Ramos, 34 years old, Luka Modric, 35. They can they can dominate against the likes of Atalanta. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's when they go up against your Bayerns and your Man Cities and your PSGs, you know, what is that? What are their performances going to look like? Uh, because as time marches on, these guys get older and older and you know, somebody's coming to knock them off as uh, I guess we can't really say they're still the best now, but, you know, they were as recently as three years ago. Oh, was it that long ago? Yeah. The 2018 Champions League title was the last one that Real Madrid won. Of course, that was three straight and four of five. Yeah. Um, but time marches on, as you said, Marcus. Uh and it's a long time since Luka Modric has been, um, you know, the top midfielder in the world or one of. Uh, although you're right. I mean, you can still. That was just dominate. three years ago. Yeah, you can dominate uh, lesser competition. And uh, we're not trying to downplay anything about them. It's just we're talking about Bayern Munich and Manchester City as potential next opponents. Um and, you know, they could get lucky and, and get drawn against a Liverpool or a Chelsea. Um, and that would be a good draw at this point. But, uh, you know, the, the chances of a good draw are getting less and less. Yes. <laughs> um, but finally, we had Chelsea topping Atletico Madrid, 3-0 on aggregate, 2-0 in the second leg. Um, bit of a surprising result uh, from my perspective, seeing that Atletico was on top of La Liga. Um, but Chelsea has been playing extremely well under Thomas Tuchel since he arrived in late January. And, uh, Marcus, you know, you, you sought out this stat for us. So 11 shutouts in the 13 games that Tuchel has been manager, um, including two versus Atletico Madrid in the champions league knockout stage. So, uh, you know, I mean, we were talking about, these world beater teams, but Chelsea might be one of the hottest teams in the world right now. So will they continue to make noise and do they have a chance to win the champions league? No. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Chelsea, they're hot, but you know, I, it'd be interesting to see them go up against the, uh, the best of the best. Uh, They're not at that level yet, but uh, good start for Tuchel. Yeah. Um, and N'Golo Conte was named player of the match for Chelsea. Um, he kind of just had uh, 
big time game. A lot of people talking about a bomb of a run. He went on in the 94th minute to kind of free up the second goal for Chelsea, even though he didn't, he didn't get any goals or assists in the match, but he sort of just had this all world performance. It seemed like, um, I mean, he's rarely in the uh, goal involvement stats, but anyone that ever watches Conte play, you know, it doesn't take much to know how important he is. Yeah. Well, so we've talked about some of the teams that qualified in Chelsea, Man City, Bayern and Real Madrid. Also joining them in the quarterfinals will be Liverpool, PSG, Dortmund and Porto. Uh, the draw will be tomorrow, March 19th, Friday, and the first legs will be um, on April 6th and 7th, uh, right after the international break. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be keeping track of it all the way through. But to keep us occupied until the Champions League gets going again is the CONCACAF Olympic qualifying. Um, so that's going to go down in Guadalajara, Mexico, uh, at two different venues in the greater Guadalajara area. Of course, one year after it was supposed to happen, as the entire Olympics was delayed. An interesting note here, this is a U23 roster, but actually the cutoff date remains to the original cutoff date um, for the, the 2020 Olympics. So it's technically like a U24 roster, which is something that I pretty much has never happened. I've never heard of one. Um, but the U S hasn't qualified for the men's Olympic football tournament since 2008. Uh, I believe their best finish in the tournament in history is a fourth place finish, uh, in like 2000 or something like that. Um, but yeah, so just to kind of give a quick recap of what they need to do to qualify, there's. The U.S. is in a group of four with Costa Rica, the Dominican Republic, and Mexico. The top two teams from that group advance to the semifinals. And if you win that semifinal matchup, the two teams that win the semifinals will qualify for the Olympics. And the outcome of the final is more or less just a bragging rights match uh, to win CONCACAF Olympic qualifying. But they send two, two teams. So... Uh, in some ways, it, if these teams are traditionally like the United States and Mexico are the top two teams participating out of the eight teams left in qualifying, the fact that they're in the same group could be a bit of a blessing in disguise. Also, USA doesn't play Mexico until the third match of the group stage. So there's a chance if they win the first two matches that they will have already qualified for the semifinal round, in which case, like, they're going to play Mexico, which on paper might be their toughest match, yet it doesn't actually matter. Um, I don't know. So there's a lot of different angles here. I mean, Marcus, is there anything in particular that has you excited about the CONCACAF Olympic qualifying? Um, yeah, I want to see uh, Revolution defender Henry Kessler, uh, see mm -hmm. how he fares down there. He kind of played himself from uh, nowhere onto, uh, onto this roster. Uh, based on and just an exceptional rookie year uh, with the revolution last season. Uh, Bruce Arena talked about him uh, at the very start of um, revolution preseason. He said, Henry's with the under 23s now. Then he says, our expectation is that he gets better as a player. 
He grows and takes advantage of the experience he got in year one. Thought he did an outstanding job for us last year, and hopefully he can build on that in 2021. That is a, um, that's really all you can hope for uh, with a young player who's uh, just his second professional season, but he is, you know, Major League Soccer really exists for guys like him. Uh, he mm-hmm. came came from, uh, I think, UVA, you know, ACC, NCAA powerhouse, and just took the next, he, he raised his game at the next level. So um, before MLS, guys like that, you know, they didn't really have a chance to do that in great numbers. But Henry Kessler isn't one of those guys that was on all the youth national teams and all the, uh, he's not somebody that really you saw coming. Um, you, yeah. I wasn't sitting here last year talking about a potential Olympian uh, in the revolution's midst, but here we are. Yeah. The, uh, another, a few other guys to keep an eye out for are guys that have actually already played for the senior men's national team in friendlies in Sebastian Soto, Ulysses Yanez and Jackson Yule. Um, again, the, the games are, they start uh, tonight, Thursday, March 18th um, versus Costa Rica. And then they play the Dominican Republic on Sunday and Mexico next Wednesday with the semifinals to follow, I think on Friday or Saturday next weekend. All these can be watched on Fox Sports 1. I think we'll have each match. Um, but yeah, I mean, just a kind of an exciting time for U.S. soccer as a lot of these players are really, or all these players are young, obviously. And then you kind of think about all the young players that technically age-wise are eligible for this roster that just aren't able to play because the FIFA doesn't have, doesn't require that club teams release players for this tournament, nor would I think, um, you know, a player like Weston McKenney or Giovanni Reina be called in for this competition anyway. But uh, you do kind of then look down the road and say, you know, what does this roster look like for the actual Olympics if the U.S. is able to qualify? Um, And then, of course, to just go to the Olympics and compete there in Tokyo at the end of July and early August would be a very exciting competition for the U.S. to be involved in, given that the CONCACAF calendar, you know, there aren't exactly we don't necessarily we don't have the euros you know maybe every once in a while we end up in the copa america in a blue moon really um so to get into a big time tournament uh would be a big deal and uh, i'll be watching with great interest and admittedly you know the roster is a lot of question mark names hopefully by the end of this three matches on the group stage um you know there are some guys that have really impressed and you know we might be talking about them as uh senior men's national team players uh you know heading into the summer but um i don't know marcus any lasting olympic thoughts for you here no uh i remember that run in uh 2000 that they had and uh it would be nice to see again uh, it was yeah. a young, young, exciting team that, um, you know, you, you kind of had a feeling then that Team USA was going somewhere. And, uh, you know, what happened, what, two years later, I think they were in the World Cup uh, 
went to the quarterfinals with a couple young players that came from that Olympic team. So, you know, it is a, uh, it's a stepping stone, but it's an important stepping stone. Um, when players get a chance to test themselves against their peers, uh, the best of their peers, um, they often grow from that experience. Absolutely. Um, and we don't have to get into it now, but it is a pretty stacked field in the Olympics. Um, you know, Spain and Germany and France and Argentina and Brazil. So uh, very, very uh, solid competition given the age group. Um, but let's move on. We got another Zlatan quote of the week. Uh, kind of very surprising news. Zlatan apparently will play for Sweden at the Euros this summer coming out of international retirement. Uh, Marcus, this caught me really off guard. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, so uh, actually this has been confirmed by Sweden's uh, head coach, but Zlatan himself tweeted out a picture of himself in the Sweden, playing for Sweden with the quote, the return of the God. Um, And of course we've talked there have been plenty of Zlatan stories um, and uh, a lot has gone on with him, but this is pretty exciting that uh, Sweden did extremely well in the world cup uh, back in what was it, 2018 advancing to the quarterfinals or the knockout rounds. Uh, one of their best finishes ever Zlatan was not on, not participating. So he's obviously done extremely well for AC Milan and did great for LA galaxy and was producing for Manchester United before tearing his ACL there. And now, uh, you know, we'll see if he can set off some fireworks at the euros. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our games of the week. I kind of just already ran through this, but my games of the week or game of the week is the USA versus the Dominican Republic on Sunday. Um, I'm picking out that one because Basically, anybody listening, probably the USA versus Costa Rica game has already taken place. And uh, I'm hoping that that Sunday matchup uh, after a opening match win and then a second match win over the Dominican Republic is a clinching match into the knockout round, into the semifinal. Um, And so that is what I'm looking for the U.S. to qualify for the first Olympics in 2008. Yeah, uh... I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be watching those games as well um, for reasons you know we discussed uh, just a few minutes ago. But my game of the weekend will be Leicester City against Manchester United. This is an FA Cup quarterfinal. Uh, two of the uh, what is this second? Uh, sorry, third versus second place in the Premier League. Uh, both of these teams will be, you know, they, once you reach a semifinal, the, a trophy is in your, uh, is within reach. Neither side has the, um, really the chance to win the Premier League. So that trophy is out of reach. But the FA Cup is one that these teams really can target. They'll be facing off against each other. Uh, and that will kick off a pretty intense uh, stretch run. Uh, stretch run of games the last eight in the premier league season uh, just one only one point separates second place man united from third place leicester city so uh yeah this is going to 
kick off that final sprint. And uh, I'll be excited for it. That's on Sunday. 1 p.m. ESPN plus. Yeah. It's it's like the thick of the soccer schedule. It pretty much begins today and this weekend. Yeah. uh, Late stages of, of domestic cups. And then we're FIFA World Cup qualifying uh, in Europe back underway um, starting next week with that international window. So we're going to have plenty to talk about, Marcus. Uh, we no shortage of topics, I'm sure. But I want to thank you for joining me. And I want to thank all the listeners for joining us. Please continue to join on Nesson.com slash podcast and on iTunes and Spotify by searching Nesson Soccer Podcast. Like, subscribe, comment, download, um, all that good stuff. Uh, Marcus, a final word? Oh, I've said what I have to say. All right. Someday you'll give me a final word. But <laughs> thanks, everybody. I tell you so.